Well, good morning, church. It's uh, great. I almost said it's good to see you. It might be okay for you to see me. I wish I could see you, but it's still good to be here and study God's Word together. Lessons for a Quarantine Church, Part 12. This, This will be the last in this particular series. Next week, I want to start a series, and I'm calling it Keeping Your Joy. The Heartfelt Theology of, a, of an Isolated Prisoner. That's what we'll start next Sunday morning. But today, wrapping up, Lessons for a Quarantine Church, Part 12, Finding Liberty in the Law of God. Finding Liberty in the Law of God. The text is Psalm 119, verse 45. The psalmist says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. That's from the New American Standard Bible. I mean, all the translations give generally the same idea, but there's something just so, I thought, particularly straightforward about the New American Standard's translation of that verse. I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. And I would argue that here you are provided with a beautiful uh, measuring stick of the condition of your soul before God. If you want to know if your soul needs sort of a reviving realignment, you can look at that phrase because the principle that it reveals is is really huge. The psalmist, he links together two things that uh, most people think are mutually exclusive. They don't belong together. Notice the way he ties together liberty and precepts, or, or freedom and law. He, he puts those two in a marriage that at least our culture tends to think will never last. Liberty, to the thinking of many, means living life free from the confines of regulations. I mean, most of us Feel freedom is to be found in roaming life without having our thoughts and our values and our deeds prescribed for us by another, especially values. Who has the right to do that? And so we have that, you know, don't fence me in kind of attitude. And so this verse, I mean, it's a bit of a surprise. The kind of heart described, it seems almost alien. Because at least in the psalmist's mind, saints, genuine saints, don't find, they don't find bondage in the law of God. They don't even find just duty, though that's certainly implied. This creator's all-governing laws, his creation-ruling laws, For the psalmist, those are the deepest source of liberty, the deepest source of freedom, and that's not the way we normally think of law. But there's there's more. What the psalmist revealed in that one phrase from the Old Covenant, the New Covenant lays down the same principle in, in the law of the Spirit of Christ. It's in 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then just to be clear, and his commandments aren't burdensome. 
They're, they're not a burden. They're not a chore. So, so maybe we need to just hold up our hearts and come back to this truth and think about it. Maybe, maybe all is not well in my spiritual soul if I'm ready to just sort of sign up for Jesus for getting to heaven, but find aspects of his lordship, his laws, I find them maybe more restricting than delightful. Maybe that's not a good sign. Maybe all is not well when I line up more easily with the aspirations of my own culture than I delight in the law of God. Culture equals tolerance and freedom of expression. Christianity equals rules and bondage and regulation. Professing Christ isn't that hard. Delighting in that profession. Delighting in the implications of a new lordship. That's another matter entirely. That's what shows the renewed mind and the renewed heart. So everything important about us, you, me, everything important about us rises up out of what delights us. That's how we're made. No one sins out of duty. We always sin out of preference and self-seeking delight. I mean, we sin, even if we hate ourselves after the sin, we sin because we want to. So clearly, if that's the case, and what the psalmist said is true, there's liberty in his precepts, then we need to be inwardly inclined in a new direction. Delighting in the lordship of Jesus over the rule of self That's the mark of the renewed mind that Paul describes in Romans 12. The Spirit of God renews our minds, and here's how he does it. He joins our affections to the laws of God. He joins our affections, our delights, to the law of God rather than the desires and values of a a self-promoting surrounding culture. Here's another description of the renewed mind. It's in Psalm 19, 10 and 11. You know these words. The statutes of the Lord are more desirable than gold. Notice, desirable. There's the affections attached to them. More desirable than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover... By them your servant is warned. Okay, so we don't have a hard time understanding that. I mean, the laws of God warn us about things. In keeping them, there's great reward. But this idea that they're desirable, that they're sweet, that there's liberty in those precepts, not just regulations in those precepts. It's interesting, isn't it? You read those words from Psalm 19, 10, and 11. No one had to threaten the psalmist with the dangers of worldliness. No one had to beg the psalmist to walk in God's ways. He was convinced, he was convinced that this was the sweetest, like honey, the sweetest way to live. He was convinced this was the most rewarding way to live. So all of the instincts of the psalmist were in the direction of God's laws. Now, it's not that the psalmist never sinned. We know that. 
But like all great saints in Scripture, he never sinned casually. It, it never became acceptable. Righteous people may sin, but they never, their, their whole being is never fully aligned with those sins. And so the psalmist feared sin. He found any lapse into sin an intolerable, heartbreaking burden. Here's one of the best tests of a living walk with God that I know. The lesson is so important to learn. A really godly person fears breaking God's laws. He might sin, but a godly person fears breaking God's laws. A worldly-minded person fears being restricted by God's laws. There's the two hearts. One fears breaking the law of God. The other feels the restrictions of the law of God. This is the typical unanimous testimony of the saints in scriptures. So the bondage they feared was, was the departure from God's ways. The bondage of not keeping God's laws. Life was richest, fullest, largest in separation from the world, not in participation in the ways of the world. So let's look at that text again. Psalm 119.45, I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. I have a few thoughts I want to leave. One, I think the most obvious principle of that verse is found in its opposite, if I can say it that way. If liberty comes from seeking God's precepts, bondage will be the result of not following the precepts of the Lord. And here's the thing. We need, we need to be told that because it's never the first impression we have of going our own way. Going our own way instead of in the ways of God initially never feels like bondage. And so, and so we need to be told this is the way this is going to end up even though you don't perceive it accurately right now. So this is one of the basic areas where, where genuine conversion, that's just the starting point, but it starts there. Genuine conversion must correct the faulty spectacles of our distorted perception of reality. The reason people first turn to the path of any form of sin isn't complicated. People choose sin because they are free to do so, and they mistakenly think they will stay free once they walk away from God's laws. It doesn't work. God has created his world in such a way that it can never work. He, he has the deepest, deepest path to joy, security, and the freedom of his creatures. He has that built in to his creative design. So outside of God's creative will, as it's revealed through Jesus Christ, there's only bondage. There can never be ultimate freedom, never. So, so the hardest part of developing a renewed mind is having the capacity to believe this truth before paying the high price of 
painful, sinful, personal experience. Our, our careless perception tells us that we will experience the greatest freedom when we're under no external constraint, but it isn't so. I've said this, you've heard me say this before, God's will is what you would always choose if only you had all the facts. God's will is what you would always choose if only you had all the facts, especially all the facts about your future joy and security. You would always walk in the direction of God's laws. So we looked at a couple of texts describing the uh, reformed delight that the Spirit of God gradually produces in the renewing of our minds. But there are also verses that describe the bondage of self-rule. So you get the blessings, but you also get the warnings. Here, here, here are two warnings. Titus 3.3. 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves. He's talking to Christians who have been changed, but here's where they were. You were also once foolish yourselves, disobedient, deceived. And then this phrase, enslaved to various lusts, desires. Enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. The other sort of warning passage, centering more on, on issue in, in the church, James addresses in James 4.1. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not your pleasures that wage war in your memory? Pleasures. That's what they're pursuing because they want to. The result is the pleasures that wage war in your members. So both these texts describe the same problem. So the people they describe either are or were, in the Titus case, in serious trouble. Paul says that they were foolish, disobedient, deceived. James says they fight and quarrel, can't find inner peace and satisfaction. So just pause and say to yourself, what's wrong with these people? Do, do, do they just love misery? Why, why are they making life so hard for themselves? Now, it's really important that you get the right answer to those questions. Everything hinges on a proper perception of what the real problem is. Because in truth, they don't like being the way they are. But apart from saving grace in the Titus passage, they can't, they can't help being the way they are. Little by little, they've created a situation they can't live with. If, if there's liberty in seeking God's precepts, all that's left is bondage not perceived in the first steps of disobedience, but bondage in walking away from the precepts of God. But there's hope. Hope for something much better in our text. Point number two, obedience to God's laws brings the highest sustained level of liberty and personal happiness. Maybe the best way to see it is if you read our text, 119.45, and just attach it to the verse right before it. So Psalm 119, 44 and 45 reads like this. 
So I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. So there's, there's this ongoing commitment. It's a new direction, not just a flash in the pan. I will, I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. Then our text, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Do you, do you see what the psalmist is doing? Verse 44 is all about obedience. Verse 45 is all about liberty. And we're meant, we're meant to make connections. Connect the dots in your Bible study. We're, we're made to see a connection we perhaps don't normally appreciate. We would link obedience with duty. It seems a no-brainer. just makes sense. But the psalmist, very deliberately, I think, he surprises us with this strange uniting of obedience, 44, with liberty, 45. Now, this isn't just a quirk of the psalmist alone. Jesus speaking in John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word... It's like the, the psalmist said in verse 119.44, I keep your law continually. Now Jesus says, if you continue, 831, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth. That makes sense. And then the surprising conclusion. This truth will make you free. So because Jesus is the speaker, we know these words just are absolute truth. And there's additional light shed on Jesus' words in our text today, if you see it. 119.45, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I seek, underline seek. This is not the language of duty. When you're seeking something, it's the language of desire. He's not being driven in his pursuit. He's not forced. He's looking for it. He's seeking it. He's hungry for it. He's pursuing. You seek for something, not because you have to, but because you want to. You, you're after it. And so our writer, he's made an incredible discovery. He has found, he has found what life is like outside the cramped walls of self-interest and fallen instincts. And he's discovered that he, he just loves the freedom. He's found how sunny life can be when it's lived in accordance with God's laws. He's found how much peace there is when life is unified around one master, Jesus saying, instead of trying to serve two. And so we should listen to the wise, devoted heart of the psalmist when he says to us, I walk in his ways, and I seek more of them. I'm after them. They don't confine. They don't diminish. They always expand. They always fulfill as nothing else ever can. I walk in liberty because I seek. I am after your precepts. I mean, I just think that we, all of us, we will never follow the Lord as we should. And we will certainly never find the satisfaction in our walk with Jesus until we rid our lives of the foolish prejudice that the call into seeking God's precepts 
is going to leave you with less than you have now. Because it won't. It never will. Point number three. We're almost done. A clear conscience. A concise test for your heart. Let me just ask some questions. Are you trying to follow Jesus without renouncing the values of your surrounding culture? Because it won't work. Jesus will always be an empty religious word with no appeal and no power whatsoever. So here are some questions to ask yourself as we wrap up. Some questions to ask yourself just to help diagnose the state of your heart. I need to ask myself these questions. You need to ask yourself these questions. I have uh, four of them. A, which do you honestly find more burdensome? The path of holiness or the path of the values of your surrounding culture? I'm not asking to see if you know the right answer. I'm sure you do. I'm asking you to examine your deepest affections. Where do they lie? B, which does your heart rise up against as the more confining? The precepts of the Lord or the habits of sin? I didn't say wicked. I said confining. C, as a Christian, do you give as much devotion seeking after God's precepts as the unchurched do to material pursuits and entertainment? And D, taking into account how long you have professed Christ as Lord, how long have you been following Jesus? Are you content with your present state or are you like the psalmist seeking, seeking for deeper devotion, deeper passion, a closer alliance with the ways of God in your walk. 119.45, I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. Find, find your deepest freedom in the precepts of the Lord. Capitalize on whatever softens the heart that you presently possess. Boy, it can turn to Cold stone, quicker than any of us imagines. So now is the time. Retrace any wayward steps in your walk with the Lord. Learn to walk all over again in liberty. Life is freer, larger, safer when it's anchored in the precepts of the Lord. That will always be true. I walk in liberty for I seek your precepts. Let's pray. It's a short phrase. Build big enough to build a life on. A short phrase that we can remember. I will walk in liberty, for I seek your precepts. And church, you just say that over to yourself about three times. I will walk in liberty, for I seek your precepts. And so, and so may there be holiness for sure, but holiness anchored in delight that people will see our lives and, and see our treasure and come to glorify Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life 
along with us. Ask it in Jesus' name. Bless your word to our hearts. Make us devoted to your word. Amen. Amen.